I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Learn With Less, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, educators, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. The mission of Learn With Less is to provide confidence to new parents that you can support and connect with your baby or toddler without having to buy a single toy. If you'd like to learn more about Learning With Less or about my best-selling books, Understanding Your Baby or Understanding Your Toddler, open a new tab in your browser to my website, learnwithless.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I do hope you'll take just a few moments of your time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to reach more families and professionals and share our values of community, playfulness, inclusivity, simplicity, and education when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayalit, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, everybody, hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Today we've got not one, not two, but three special guests on the Learn With Less podcast. Sonnet Simmons, Veronica Morales-Freeling, and Brianna Kappa. Let's welcome them to the show. Hello to Sonnet, hello to Veronica, hello, 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 hello. Hello to Brianna, hello to the new friends, hello, hello, hello. One last time. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here just one little note to add before we get started. This episode was recorded before the global pandemic of 2020 started. So if you hear references to going to the gym and sitting inside restaurants, don't let it throw you. So today I am speaking with Sonnet Simmons, Veronica Freeling, and Brianna Kappa. Sonnet and Veronica are hosts of the Not Your Mother's podcast, and co-creators of the parenting online course, Raising Children You Like with Brianna Kappa. So Sonnet and Veronica are two longtime friends who became new moms at the same time and who kept asking the question, why doesn't anyone tell you this about motherhood? And so they set out on a journey to find answers to the unsaids and unspokens in motherhood by interviewing experts in areas like sex after baby, female body, postpartum marriage. <laughs> That's two separate things. Postpartum, marriage. Postpartum marriage is definitely something. Yeah, definitely a thing. <laughs> Uh, childhood development and so much more. Sonnet is also a singer and songwriter and Veronica is a digital marketing queen. And Brianna is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a private practice in Redondo Beach, California. 
She's endorsed as a infant family, early childhood mental health specialist, and she works exclusively with new moms and young children, birth to five. She owns and operates South Bay Mommy and Me and is the mother to Mateo. Someone we can hear in the background because we are all parents, we're all moms, and welcome to motherhood, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I tried to put her down, but she wanted to go down. Hashtag <laughs> please, I have an interview. <laughs> this please, is please. a podcast for and from parents, so it's fine. <laughs> so, Sonnet, Veronica, and Brianna, this is, I think, the first time we've ever actually braved three guests on the Learn With Less podcast, and I can't think of a better triple threat panel. So... I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Learn With Less podcast to share your story. Welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I've asked you to come on to the show today to speak to us about some tips to create what you guys call a toddler tantrum toolkit. But first, I know we did a little bit of a background, but why don't you give us just sort of a short backstory about you guys and how you came into this crazy thing called parenthood. And whoever wants to go first, just chime in. You guys go. San Antonio. Okay. Go? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is Sonnet. And I don't know. I mean, how I got into parenthood is, I think, the same as everybody else. <laughs> one, one, one night. There was one night. Right? <laughs> one sexy exactly. night. <laughs> That's how that happened. But, you know, luckily I had... Veronica and I have been friends. We have been like single lady friends. You know, we met at a music festival. Like you look through our pictures together and we have really gone through a lot. <laughs> and so yeah. we became moms at the same time too. And we would go on these walks and we were just in that mode of transition where you're trying to just get back to your old identity and you haven't figured out yet that there is no getting back. And so you're just frustrated that nobody talks about this and you can't put your finger on it and you can't find information about it. And so we decided to find that information ourselves. And uh, I mean, you also go on your own journey, but through the experts, we have learned so much. Um, and we're so grateful to have be creating this community of moms and experts to get information from and how much we've learned as mothers to really allow ourselves to go through that transition and to understand that like we are becoming new people, rebirthing ourselves as well as, you know, as a child when we become a mom. And how that looks so different than you could ever imagine it will look. So that's pretty much it. And here we are. So true. Anybody else? Yeah. For me, this is, this is Brianna. I, uh, my, my story is a little different because um, I actually started working with uh, moms and children long before I became a mother myself. I've been working in a clinical capacity for eight years. And I think what really led me to working in infant mental health in particular and toddler mental health was my own relationship with my mom and my family and really just trying to understand and make sense of what happened as a child Mm -hmm. and the way it affected me. And it really like lit this fire in me of, wow, what can I do to help support moms and children and having healthy, safe, secure relationships, attachments, like a real sense of trust so that 
you know, these children grow up. I want, I would like children to grow up into adults who believe that they are worthy, who believe they're adequate, who believe that they can be loved and can love themselves. These are all things that I myself, even just as an adult, with all the work I've done, still struggle with and still feel uncertain about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after learning about attachment and family systems in graduate school, it was just like this light bulb went off of, oh, wow, trauma isn't just something like something that's happened to you, but it's something that gets passed down from generations. And sometimes you're the the holder of multiple generations of trauma. And what does that do to a person's psyche? And what does that do? How does a person like go out into the world and live like that? So all of those things just kind of came into one melting pot. And I got, that's what really put me into the field of prevention. I was like, well, it doesn't make sense to try to like work with adults who are already like going in, like already having so much baggage. Let me like work with adults in this major transition. Let me work with parents in this major transition into life of becoming a parent where they are in such a powerful, influential place with their child. And how can we start that right from the very beginning and prevent Mm. things right from the very beginning. So I'm very motivated by that. And then I became a mom myself again, one sexy night. um, (laughs) (laughs) It does not always happen that way. Right. Okay. That's true. That's true. For us, for us, it did. And it was a very intentional sexy night, guys, legs up. Like, you know, 30 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> Wearing your heels as earrings. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, um, so then I became a parent myself and I started to, with my own child, utilize the things that I've been teaching parents for all these years. And it all kind of solidified for me like, wow, this, this stuff actually works. And now as you know, as through just over the la- course of the last 18 months, we've been Sonnet and Veronica and I have been working together to really solidify the message of what really helps support children and families yeah. in their relationships, in their, you know, engagements and everything. So, okay, I'm done talking. That was a I, lot. Of I love it. Share. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And obviously just to, to add, like we, I met Brianna through South Bay mommy and me, I was a student or, or I still oh, am, you know, I go yeah. in with, and just blown away by the whole approach, you know, cause it's what we desire as moms to show up for our children that way. And then we were like, come work together. Well, <laughs> I, well, well, then, so like before Sonnet went to South Bay Mommy and Me, we were in a Mommy and Me class uh, up here in LA. And that our instructor was the one that introduced her to Brianna. And once, and I was, I got pregnant another sexy night, um, six months after the first toddler was born. And so oh, I, man. so I, while Sonnet was like really in toddlerville, I was in like, oh my God, I'm going to be a mom to a second child you know, place. And when I saw, and so Sonnet moved down and I had, we don't see each other as regularly as we used to. And when I saw her, her parenting and her her relationship with Cairo had completely shifted from when I had last seen them. And I was like, whatever you're learning, I need to learn too, because we were getting into the, the tantrums and that whole thing. And so that's when we, we're like, we need to work with Brianna and really get her message out there because it's so helpful. And so it just in the past few months of just working with her, I've seen a complete shift in my own patients and all, all that jazz that we'll get into. So, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's oh, how we all kind of to be. 
I love it. Okay, so let's get into it, Sonnet and Veronica. From a parent perspective, I would love to hear a little bit more about what that transition from parenting an infant to parenting a toddler was like for each of you. And and Veronica, we can start with you also because you mentioned also like, you're not only at that point, you were not only parenting a toddler, but also an infant at the same time. So yeah, I did this. It's hard. <laughs> Let's hear about that. Well, also, what I've learned is that each stage that you hope to get out of the next one that comes isn't better than the last one you know there's <laughs> there's always problems so it's really not about the child it's about the parent yes yeah. yeah it's like i learned that it's not about them it's about you it's not about where they're at because they're going to they're going to run their course they're going to do their thing they're going to learn and be messy and make mistakes and do all those things regardless of how you feel about it so it's really not about them it's about you and also that time goes by really fast. So now seeing Melrose, my four month old be four months, whereas just Cecilia was four months last year, time goes by so quickly. So I'm not so honed in on like fixing them or or like, or like fixating on the problems. I'm able to also care less (laughs) because I just don't have the bandwidth to be so like, high strong on what's going on with them, even though I still am high strong. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just really, it's just about doing the work on myself. Yeah. Let's, I mean, we're going to get into all of that too, but will you give us a couple of things about what, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so just pr- prioritizing self-care. So before like now I'm going to the gym five to six times a week, whereas before it might be like two or three times a week and it would be around their nap schedule and feedings and all this stuff. And it's like, they can just call me if they, if they're hungry, if they're tired, I can just leave, but I have to get there and take care of myself. So I I would say that's like the biggest shift. Um, Also I've been working with Brianna with this about when Cecilia, my toddler is having a tantrum. She's very triggering. Like her, her and I, her birthday is like a, day after mine. So I think there's like some cosmic like relationship thing that is going on between us. Uh, So a lot like most of the things that she does, I'm like, oh, God, okay, like I can't react. So um, learning how to pause and take a breath, multiple breaths before I engage has been like a total game changer because it's so easy for me to react to her rather than to like proactively or like um not not necessarily prevent but just create some space between us but so I don't like get into her swell of energy I I'm much better at um creating the safe space for her to come to me and me be there for her to like give her a hug or listen or whatever it is that she needs at that time yeah yeah beautiful well and then to to figure out like that okay that you're taking a breath and then try and figure out what it is that she needs right mm-hmm. because exactly. yeah it's going bleh, right but yeah. if you are able to just sit sit for a second with with your brain your your like adult brain which actually yeah. does have those layers of like impulse control that she doesn't yeah doesn't have you can, when you can activate it right <laughs> which is hard especially when you're being triggered um but that that you can find those ways to step back. That's awesome. Um, yeah, totally. Let's hear about it from, from your perspective. What was that transition like parenting this brand new cute little baby who's (laughs) becoming themselves every day. And then there's a shift, right? 
Yeah, I was like, was hello, like? I just gave birth to you. So I feel like you should still be listening to me. Like, I, right. you know, <laughs> I should still be in control here. <laughs> but that's not um, the way it goes, you know. And and I think for me, what has been really helpful is just understanding where they're at, you know, like developmentally, this yep. is super normal. Developmentally, this is why they're doing this. And this is why they need this kind of support and the best thing that I like I was in a restaurant the other day with an older lady um like my grandma I was like an older lady <laughs> <laughs> like an older person who shall remain nameless <laughs> and with my grandma and Kyra was making a little bit of noise and she was like we do not make noise in the restaurant like this and I was like well you know, she's a toddler. She's going to make noise. She's babbling. She's doing her thing. Like she's upset. She's whatever. Um, but it's such a dis- difference in the parenting of I probably was raised like that. You know, it's like we mm-hmm. are quiet here. And if you're not able to be quiet, then we're going to leave. And it's a very right. different uh, thing to be like, OK, well, she just needs to sit here and like take all the sugar out and put it all back and she's not hurting anybody and I can like take a deep breath and be okay with that and let her be, you know, and it's really a testament to Brianna teaching us really the, this whole story of, of where they are developmentally so that we can help support them where they are and what they need. And like you said, they don't have those layers. Um, that's just not it built into them yet. And so we are, look, we look to them and we're like, why don't you understand? I mean, I even hear my husband say it sometimes like she should know. I'm like, but she doesn't like she yeah. doesn't know like that's okay you know they're you're like not you're the you don't know, know. <laughs> all right yeah she, you yeah. can't do it <laughs> like, like you're she, 40 <laughs> they're not even there yet you know so how do we help them support them where they are at whether they're rather than where we are or, yeah you know, well, and I think too like it's important <clears throat> too for families and and grown-ups in general to hear like, because I think some people could hear what you're saying, like, oh, well, this child in a restaurant was so loud and that mom's just letting her be so loud. Like, mm. for me, there's a difference between like, I mean, there, there's a limit, right? Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm not going to let my <laughs> child run loose in a restaurant and like, trip all the waiters and scream and not let other people enjoy their yeah. restaurant experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am going to, like you said let my child maybe like open a sugar packet and empty it into a bowl. Like that's fine. That's fine. Motor control and all kinds of wonderful developmental tasks. That exactly <laughs> yeah. are, right. Like that's okay. And like you said, the babbling and the talking to herself, like that's fine. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to like be perfectly clear. Cause I think a lot of people yeah. are like, well, but what it like, where's the limit? Like there's a limit. Yeah. But then I find when she is like super loud and she is feeling like she needs to go trip all the waiters, like I need to take her outside. Like my job is not to make her sit in her high chair and yell at her till she does, till she's quiet. Like she obviously needs to go do something else. Totally. Yeah. 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 But we don't keep her in there to trip the waiters. Right. (laughs) Right. It's, It's We're always looking at our child's sense of regulation Mm -hmm. and our goal is not to control our child because that doesn't work that always ends up in power struggles and in battles between children and parents our goal is to see how regulated is my child and if my child is not in a nice green ready to go zone then how do I get my child back to that and so yeah sometimes Mm -hmm. a child is just babbling and happy and playing and they're good to go and they're not like I love the way Sana said it like she's not hurting anybody 
everybody. Yeah. But if we're yelling and we're screaming and we're a hot mess or we're even like screeching and throwing our bodies around, yeah, yeah. go take a sensory break. Get out of that in loud, you know, environment of the restaurant or whatever it is. Go take a walk. Go take in some fresh air. And it actually is more regulating for us as well. And that's oh, something yeah. that... I keep talking about, you know, because so much of parenting these days has become about like, what can we do to our child or what can we do for our yeah. child? And I think the best thing that we can do for our child is get ourselves grounded, really feel our bottoms on the chair, our feet on the floor, or wherever we are, mm -hmm. take some deep breaths and clear our own mind before we hop in and before we try to engage and support our child. There is something so powerful about a regulated parent hopping in to support a child who's not feeling not feeling their best whereas yeah. when we are dysregulated we're only going to further add to the dysregulation of the child or if we're dysregulated and our child is regulated we're only going to further we're only going to cause that child to become dysregulated because our children are really, you know, they're monitoring their own regulation based on us. They're looking to us to get themselves calm, cool, and collected, not right. the other way around, you know? Right. right. We talk so much about self-regulation in children. And in fact, it is all about co-regulation, right? All like, of it. All exactly of it. Exactly what you're saying, Brianna. It's, it's mm -hmm. not just getting your child to be regulated it's being able to provide a model because they are always learning in observation and in imitation of us right so how are they going right. to be calmed and regulated if we are like you have to be calm right well that's yeah yeah that doesn't work for me. That's how I grew up, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so we're going to take a break in just a minute. But first, Brianna, can you tell us a little bit about what is happening in the brain when a young child is having a tantrum? Because we spoke a little bit about this regulation piece, but. Oh, absolutely. So children have, you know, for the for the most part, children um, birth to five are doing the majority of their operating out of the emotional part of the brain. That's a very non-technical term, but we do have like different segments of our brain that our children are operating from. The thinking part of the brain that allows them to rationalize, strategize, organize, plan, the moment a child becomes triggered, that part of the brain flies off the handle. And if we like look to Dan Siegel, he kind of talks about like our thinking brain, our hand brain model. So this is the, this is our thinking brain. It flies off. And now just that real emotional part of the brain is like, ah, and it, it activates the fight, flight, or freeze response for our babies. And that's a very instinctual, emotional, almost like reptilian response. And this is why our children can, you know, show physiological signs of distress, right? If they're mm -hmm. anxious, their eyes are going to get really big and they might start to slobber and their bodies might look kind of scared and they might be pushing away. If they're feeling really angry, you might see their eyebrows kind of, you know, tense up and their jaws are going to get tight. We start to see the fists close in. Either way, like the body starts to kind of expand and go away from like a nice, calm, cool midline, keeping the body, you know, 
inward, the body starts to splay outward. And this Mm -hmm. is really the brain communicating to the body, hey, you got to get ready because you're threatened and you need to do something about this threat. And what happens then, the brain releases adrenaline and cortisol, which are some really big stress hormones in the body. And what happens in our brains as we're watching that, we're taking in visually the information that we're seeing from our child. And our brain is also reading all of their cortisol being being dripped into their, into their system. And so our brain starts releasing a ton of cortisol and adrenaline too. So mm. our brain actually ends up mirroring our children's brain and now we have an adult which is like a who becomes like a mini child yep. and a child <laughs> both operating in this limbic system this this mm. emotional part of the brain and it's a really unhelpful place for us to be as parents because what it kind of does is it creates this feedback loop in the child's brain mm-hmm. that says yeah this isn't this is an event where i should be threatened or this is an event where i should be scared this is an event that that i should be feeling really angry and really upset because my parent is showing me the exact same thing that i'm feeling so what we i'll just stop there cuz that i feel like answers answers the question if you want me Perfect. to go into more detail i can yes <laughs> i love it well we we'll, we always have more opportunity for that during our q and a portion after the okay, interview perfect. with our participants but we're going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsors and then we'll hear a few tips about raising toddlers and diffusing tantrums from Sonnet and Veronica and Brianna. And we'll hear about their favorite resources to share with families. As a parent or caregiver of an infant or toddler, you want to make sure you're doing it right. But everywhere you look, there's another toy or fancy subscription box that you don't have room for and that your child seems to lose interest in all too quickly. You want to support your infant or toddler's development, but you struggle finding the right toys or enough time and energy to do it. You just want the map to get through these first few years and find more joy in the journey as well. If any of this rings true for you, you're in the right place. Right now, I'm giving away my infant toddler development blueprint, a straightforward guide that will help you discover the four major areas of development in the first three years of life and what's involved in each of those areas. Find out what you can do to support development using what you already have in your home. Learn how to follow my four pillar framework to maximize the time you're already spending with your tiny human and much, much more. If you are ready to boost your infant or toddler's learning, stop feeling like you're winging it all the time and simplify your life, head to learnwithless.com slash blueprint and download my free infant toddler development blueprint today. Okay, Brianna, let's start with you. I would love to hear about some of the, what we might call older methods of discipline um, and diffusing a tantrum. So why, tell us a couple of these why they might not be terribly effective and then give us a what you can do instead that's all right okay so to just kind of piggyback off what i was saying with the brain spanking is an older you know not as popular but still being being utilized um way uh, to discipline children but what happens when we when we spank research has shown that children are not able to discriminate spanking from physical abuse so the brain reads it and experiences it as if it is physical abuse and it automatically activates that fight flight or freeze response in the child's brain and then what this creates is a lot of complication in that child parent relationship this child kind of becomes a little bit more submissive and compliant in the moment but out of fear that the parent is 
all like a dual source of love and and also fear and pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so long term, that um, is not a very effective way to promote healthy, secure relationships and attachments, which is really you know where where discipline and and you know that like internal sense of like self motivation and self control and impulse control really comes from. It comes from healthy, secure attachments and a sense of trust in the world and people in your world. So we have that. Um, another old method um, are timeouts. Now timeouts aren't as like, I don't know what the word I want to say is, um, you know, damaging if that's traumatic. It's not a physical it's not a reminder. Physical reminder but what happens when we do timeouts is it sends a message to a child that you're i can't tolerate your big emotions you need to go be alone with your big emotions and so this child then internalizes that as you know i don't i don't have anybody who can safely help me navigate these big things that i'm experiencing that i'm supposed to be experiencing and so that's why you know timeouts are can be kind of, again, they can be effective in the moment, but they're largely ineffective in the long term. Mm-hmm. Because what I would really, what I think of like a whole person, I think of somebody who is aware of their emotions, is aware of how other people impact them, and is also aware of how they impact others. And that is an experience that we get to teach our children about, and we get so many opportunities to teach them about. So I like to look at temper tantrums and emotional dysregulation as an opportunity to teach my child about what is going on with them inside, how they are impacting others, and how others are impacting them. And each moment is really a learning opportunity. It doesn't need to be something that I need to punish because that sends the message that these things are bad, but instead it's something that I get to teach because we're really learning and growing from them. Me as a parent, I'm learning and growing from them, and my child is also learning and growing from each of these experiences. So there's that part. And then we're going to get to the, what you can do instead part for sure. But before we do, I want to, I want to just say first, the purpose of this show, this podcast episode is not to tell you as a parent, what to do and what not to do. I think for me, the idea is, um, when we have, when we see what's modeled to us from our own parenting, from our friends, from our culture, whatever it is, we feel like that's what we have and that's what so the purpose of this is to give you a broader toolbox to yes. use to understand to to see about what some options are and then mm-hmm. you go back into your family and you decide what's right for you right because mm-hmm. number one i also want to say i love that you sonnet and veronica have sought out professional resources other people and as you call experts for me as a professional with a a background in early child development and early language development, I actually abhor the word expert because I don't (laughs) believe that there is a parenting expert out there. There is no parenting expert. Who is the parenting expert? That's you. That's you. You're the parent. Mm -hmm. You are, you are becoming the expert on your own child every single day. And that's the only way that you're going to get through this thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are professional resources out there. So Call it semantics, call it whatever you want, but I it's like, it's like triggering terms for me that I'm like, oh, yeah. no, 
have a chat board. Like, no, I'm not an expert. I do stuff wrong all the time, right? Like, Brianna, you're so mellow and so together right now, but I'm sure you have your moments too, right? Like, I love it. And I love that we all have, like, we can call each other out on this because we are human. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important to recognize this and say, like, these are the tools in our tool belt. When we can activate and be regulated ourselves with our tiny humans, then we feel like personally, I'm like, I am an Olympic athlete. I just killed that. Like, that was awesome. I did it right. Quote unquote, right. Like, I got that. I know that I did not activate that like limbic part of my ch kid's brain and I didn't quote unquote damage him in the moment. Like, I'm going to do it later today, but I did it that time. And that feels really good. <laughs> retrain our brains because that's what we're doing mm -hmm. right we're for yeah. us we have to retrain our brain for them we exactly. are their brain like and mm -hmm. that's both really hard from both sides yeah oh yeah so, um, yeah i just wanted to say that because i think it's important yeah. to say because when we hear as parents here are all the tools and they're so pretty and here's what it looks like when you do it right like you're not gonna do it right all the time and you're, that doesn't make you a bad parent it's okay mm -hmm. right it's such an it's important so, thing to conversation. I feel like I was having with Sana and Veronica when they wanted me to put together tools. I was like, look well, at the tool is, the yeah. tool is take some deep breaths and trust yeah. that it's all going to unfold the way it's going to unfold. And we have to do our work. It's our work. We're, we're raising our children, but really they're raising us. They're really teaching us about yeah. what we need to work on and what we need to, you know, understand better about ourselves and about our lives. So I'm totally with you. It's, yeah. you know, but, but go ahead. Guys. I love what how you, you said that say? too. It is that it's, yeah. it's a self-discovery piece, right? It's rough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's so easy to feel like you're doing it wrong. Like yeah. that's such an easy, that's some like mm -hmm. a thought that just comes in all the time of your, your mm -hmm. head. Like there must be a right way to do this because this one isn't working. Right. And to mm -hmm. really trust and give yourself permission you give yourself permission to trust that you are the best person who can answer this, you know, with, and, but it, it, it's very helpful to have an education and have information and, and know yeah. kind of what's going on for your child, but then you're exactly. the best one to kind of, to be there for your child. Yeah. You're the yeah. one who can decide what and how that in your own family. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. Right. And so it needs to be authentic. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It needs to be authentic to you. The way that you re respond and are in relationship with your children, if it's fake, if it's somebody else's words or someone yeah. else's way of being mm -hmm. it's not going to be an authentic way of being in relationship with your children like presence is probably the best parenting skill one of the best parenting skills that we mm -hmm. have is how do we just be present yeah. and be in the moment and and recognize what's happening for me and recognize what's happening for my child without any judgment just holding both of those like at all times you know that i feel like if if we did that that would probably be enough that'd be all we need to do in raising that would change our the world right yeah it would <laughs> yeah for everybody all right so totally. we have some quote unquote, older methods these methods have been around a long time spanking timeout what can we do instead so I like to talk about self-regulation as a tool and our awe method. So um, self-regulation and, and the awe method go together. Self-regulation is how do I get myself feeling grounded 
get some deep breaths into my body. Am I, is, my is my breath in my chest? If it is, send it down into my tummy. What's going on with my hands? Are my hands starting to clench? If they are, relax them. Notice my shoulders. Are my shoulders up at my ears? If they are, can I bring them down? I am literally trying to change my physiological cues of stress and get my brain to respond by taking deep breaths and feeling grounded as opposed to reacting to the stress that's happening in front of me in the moment. And then I want to hop into that awe method. So with my awe method, it's, it's very simple. A-W-E. A stands for acknowledge. I'm going to acknowledge what I see going on for my child. It's a pretty simple description. It's non-judgmental. It's really simply narrating, noticing um, in a short way, like one quick little sentence. I can acknowledge the emotion. I can acknowledge if I don't understand the emotion or if I'm unsure what the need is, yeah. I can just notice the, the behavior that's in front of me and maybe speak to that quickly. And then my W is wait. We must wait because in those moments that, like I said earlier, the front part of the brain is shut down. It's all emotional, which means they are processing at a slower speed. And so I need mm. to see how does my acknowledgement land on my child? Did I get it right? My child is going to be the best indicator, the best litmus, litmus test to tell me if I got it right or not. And if I got it right, they're going to, you know, take a pause. They're going to listen in. If maybe I'm maybe I didn't quite get the emotion right or I didn't quite get that need right or I'm not really seeing the behavior for what it is, my child's gonna protest a little bit. But when mm -hmm. we get it right, they do they feel felt, they feel heard by us. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. I can hop into my E, which is my uh, my engage and my connection. So my whole philosophy is connect before we correct. So I really want to like help my child feel safe in that moment because obviously if they're having a big meltdown, they're having a big emotional dysregulation, they're not feeling safe. So my, my main goal is how do I get my baby feeling safe? And then I can set a little limit if I need to, right? Like if for the restaurant situation. Maybe when we're in the restaurant, we we use our gentle hands or we use we use our inside voice when we're in the restaurant. If you need to use your outside voice, let me know. We'll take a break and we'll go outside. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of gentle but effective limits. And then I want to trust that this process is going to repeat itself. And my child is not going to remember every single thing that I said. But over time and through consistency, we're going to have this experience. My child's body is going to get wired to be able to respond to their own stress in these kinds of ways. And for children who are older, then we can really start problem solving. You know, my young kiddos, my two, you know, two, three-year-old kiddos, I'm helping my children problem solve at that age. But my kiddos, four and five, I want to enact that problem solving process because it's that problem solving process that helps impulse control and helps our children really, you know, navigate their own emotions and navigate their behaviors in a healthy, safe, and adaptive way and yeah that's the process it's pretty simple mm -hmm. let's hear because you gave a really wonderful example of what that uh, the engaged piece looks like with mm -hmm. say the restaurant example I would love mm -hmm. to have you just give us an example of what the a piece looks like so sure. for instance okay I'm Sonnet's two-year-old and I'm shoveling stuff in my mouth or I'm standing up on my chair whatever I'm doing yeah what, yeah. what does the piece say Oh, I would probably say, oh, it looks like your body really needs to move right now. That would be my A. 
and then mm -hmm. I would wait. So just non-judgmental, simply noticing what I see the child doing. And if and, and if how can the child call it, attention to what what it is without yeah. without being like, oh yeah, bro, oh, yeah, my body. There is you doing go. Exactly, because that's promoting mindfulness. I'm teaching my child's brain and my child's body to be in sync and to recognize, oh, that is what's going on. And maybe that two-year-old will say outside. Maybe maybe yeah. then that two-year-old will solve their own problem. I want to go outside. If not, either way, I'm waiting and I'm taking deep breaths, especially if I notice this is triggering for me or I'm aware that other people are watching me and other people are upset with what my child is doing. I'm going to get myself regulated and then I hop in with that engage and connect. I can see you really want to move your body right now. We, we do need to move our bodies outside. I'm going to pick you up and take you outside. Beautiful. Right? Simple, safe warm, affectionate, but still the boundaries are clear and they're, and they're firm. I'm not advocating for letting your children run the show. I'm not right. advocating for children being your boss. No, I believe that parents are still the ones in charge, but right. we don't need to be controlling to be in charge. We don't need to be punitive to be in charge. We can actually collaborate. And I think when we really see our children as our best collaborators, it changes how we how we want to be in relationship with our kids. It changes how, how they want to respond and be in relationship with us. Yeah. It's yep. because you feel like the way, the weight of the responsibility is balanced. You don't feel like you're responsible for how they're acting and for all of those things. And that's how mom, mm -hmm. where mom guilt comes in, you know, because it's like, I can't control my child. I have, my child is insane, you know? So, and yeah, right, they're right. not. Because they are, so, we think of them as a reflection of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. but, totally. We have to acknowledge that they have their own needs, their own physical and emotional needs and feelings, and that's how they Amen. are engaging with the world. I love it. Absolutely. All right. So, and Veronica, I want to hear what are some specific changes that you have each made as a result of really understanding your toddlers better? Oh, what shifts have we made? I, I mean, just the, the awe method that Brianna has that just talked about that has been the biggest shift because and for me it's like like I had, I had said it earlier it's the before even getting to the a because I was showing up triggered just mm -hmm. taking the breath before I even engaged with her because I just kept feeling like I wasn't showing up authentically I was irritated saying like it looks like your body needs to move <laughs> you know because I was already <laughs> so, I was already frustrated showing up so I had a take a pause before the a, uh to re, to real because my i'm short fuse you know it's like these two kids two under two is like don't yeah. do it <laughs> it's a lot it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of baby <laughs> so of just yeah i would say that the awe method is the is the biggest shift in in how i in our relationship and it does change so much and most of the time when i engage when i get to the e and I just say like, it looks, it, it, when you can just tell that they're having a hard time, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say like, it looks like you need a hug. Do you need a hug? And then she'll just be like, and then like, we'll hug and then it'll be over. Yeah. yeah. But it's Beautiful. like, I wouldn't have gotten there had I, if I didn't regulate before I engaged authentically. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, I love Veronica, how you identified because it is so easy to like try and make that non-judgmental sentence with so much like oh totally like your body's really loud right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah Come on, let me try that again <laughs> yeah I, I was yeah. i was having See, a hard time getting there right now mm -hmm. hard yeah, it's so, so the breath. hard yeah that's great how about you for you sonnet i mean similarly i, I feel like just 
having the acknowledge part, learning that that it doesn't have to be this big, like huge acknowledgement paragraph, you know, it's really like Mm -hmm. narrating what is happening in that moment for them to, and it's also extremely helpful for you because it makes you have to take a break and be like, oh, I see what's happening here and have to put words to it. For me, that's been incredibly helpful. Uh, I don't even know if Cairo even knows sometimes, you know, like what I'm saying, you know, but for me, it's helpful because I can, I can put words to it and be like, okay, well, we're going to go outside then because I can see you need to move your body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's been one of the most like helpful parts of this is, is the acknowledgement of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, guys, let's hear about some of your favorite resources you'd like to recommend to families who are looking for additional support in this area. Because we have acknowledged that it is hard. <laughs> we have <laughs> given some but we have acknowledged that it is difficult. So what are some resources that families that you've used, that you've created, that families might look to for additional support and, and strategies? Go ahead, girls. <laughs> well, I mean, we've created uh, <laughs> together something because we were looking for that support and we were mm-hmm. looking for information that really, I mean, spoke to us, you know, as the whole mm-hmm. parent and how are we going to show up to help support a, a, a child that's going to be a teenager and going to be an adult, mm-hmm. not just in that moment. And so we created with Brianna Raising Children You Like. And it's actually title. (laughs) Thank you. It's actually gonna be it's a series of online video trainings, not just with tantrums. It'll talk about discipline and connecting with your child and screen time and lots of different aspects of the parenting Mm -hmm. world of information that you can take and use to incorporate into your life as you as it works for your family. But on your own time. And so the first one that we launched was Toddler Tantrum Toolkit. So I think that has been an incredible resource for me. (laughs) You know, like we Mm -hmm. started this podcast because we were looking for answers and then we recreated this because we were looking for answers too. So, you know, we don't, we're just learning. We're just figuring it out. Right. You're learning with some guidance and it's wonderful. So that's a, and I've had a chance to look at it. It's a beautiful course. So if anyone is interested in going that route, we will obviously put the link to that in the show notes. Brianna, what about you? What are some resources that you like to recommend to to families? Some of my biggest inspirations for my work are Mona Delahook and Janet Lansbury, Dan Siegel, Dr. Shafali. I mean, they wrote some some really powerful things. Um, Mona Delahook wrote a book, Beyond Behaviors. So we're really learning and understanding the nervous system of ourselves and our children and how do we promote, how, how do we see beyond the behavior? So one of the things that we talk about all the time, I talk about all the time is, you know, behaviors are really just the gateway to what's going on emotionally. And when we can tap into that, then we can actually see the child's need. And when we start shifting to see the child's need, we're really going to help our children in a way that's more profound. Janet Lansbury, you know, she takes a very, you know, no no bad kids and takes away the, the sense of shaming our children into listening and following directions. So she has a very, you know, she comes from Magda Gerber and the, the Rye philosophy. So it's really child-led and respectful 
and gentle, but still an effective way of raising children. Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Shafali, you know, they both wrote two books, Parenting from the Inside Out, Dan Siegel, and The Conscious Parent, Dr. Shafali, that are really asking us to look inward and understand our own past and how our past influences how we are raising our children today. What old wounds are being triggered in relationship with our child that have nothing to do with our child that we need mm. to show up for, for ourselves? How do we need to, yeah. how, how can we reparent ourselves so that we can now really show up for our children in the way that we want to? And I think all of these, um, you know, there's so many wonderful resources. These just mm -hmm. tend to be some of the ones that I really rely on that just really change our framework, shift our framework in how we see parenting, how we see our role as, as parents. I really think it kind of grounds us as mothers. We don't have to see ourselves as these martyrs who know how to do everything perfect and these Disney yeah. princesses who get everything mm -hmm. done well and right, that we actually get to be human beings in this process who are alongside our children are learning and growing. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I really appreciate those. And I think any parent at any stage in parenthood actually can really benefit from these. And then um, one more resource that I point parents to is siblings without rivalry when you, especially when you're adding in mm. multiple children, um, because I think that really creates a collaborative, non-competitive atmosphere. Um, and I know some parents benefit from how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Yeah. That book gives more like scripts and kind of trains us to even use some of this language that I'm talking about. So I think especially for parents who didn't have great models um, and who are kind of struggling with being triggered in the moment, that is a really hands-on practical book that, you know, I think can be very empowering for a lot of, um, for a lot of parents. So agreed. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I also love the one that her daughter wrote co-wrote, which oh, is yeah. the how which to talk to little kids will listen. Oh yeah. Yeah. That mm. one. Uh-huh. I just got the audio book yes, of that one. Yes. Yeah, it's lovely. That's perfect. Really great. They're both perfect. Yeah. Excellent resources. Thanks so much. And I love, I love what you said, Brianna, about, about the Disney princess mother, yeah. right? Like, that's none of us, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> it doesn't, even though I pretend to be, I do sing Disney songs all around my house, but I'm not <laughs> actually right. a Disney yeah. princess. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sana, Veronica, and Brianna. And thanks to all our participants of the Learn With Less curriculum who are here listening live as a benefit to our membership community. We're going to continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session for you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening from home or on the go, thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye to the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Ayalet. Goodbye Sonnet, Veronica and Brianna. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts. 
being here together. Thank you so much, everyone. The Learn With Less podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. Don't forget to download our free infant and toddler development blueprint by heading to learnwithless.com blueprint today. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Learn With Less podcast on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast player. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Learn With Less with a friend or colleague. See you next time.